Well, hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Bill Bateman, part of the team here at Refuse to Be a Victim Personal Protection Training. We're located in Southern Oregon in the Medford White City area, and this week we're looking at the last full episode on specific types of go bags. This week we're going to look at the get home bag. As I mush this into an identifiable lump, the goal of these programs is to prepare for various realistic scenarios that are going to happen, and we will have made preparations for the short-term and, if necessary, a longer-term situations. These are all options for helping you survive with the bag as a start. Now we're going to add the mindset of some solid pre-planning, some skills to put your tools to work, and a good plan of attack. The bags, well, they're going to make it easier to carry and use correctly because you did plan in advance, and that's why we're calling this series Survival Beyond the Bug Out Bag. I'll be looking at those areas much more closely in the weeks to come, and I'll also be talking about classes here at the site for the winter months that we're going to be offering. As you know, after I add the podcast, I add links to the site I visited to research our episode. I found some very interesting products and some very unique sites. Again, I say these are not a recommendation or an endorsement, but something I found doing research that first I want to credit, and second, I think you might find useful too. Please keep me informed of your experiences with these vendors, both good and bad. And remember, the opinions expressed on this program are just that, my opinions. Your ideas, your opinions, they're welcome too. Drop me an email at podcast at W-I-T-S dash and.com witsand.com and I'll try and respond on the very next program. So, this week I want to take a look at the Get Home Bag designed to get you from where you are now to home or a secondary rendezvous point in the event of an emergency and you cannot physically get home. Basically, over the past month, we've talked about the tools you're going to need to ensure you have the basics no matter where you are when trouble hits. Some are exactly the same, and that makes perfect sense. It's just going to depend on how you will meet that need. Honestly, I'm back and forth on how this get-home bag is different than a car bag, and I've come to the conclusion a car bag is a misnomer. I carry supplies in my car to fill either my get-home or my bug-out bag if I'm forced to abandon my vehicle. Now, I want to credit the Prepper Journal and the Bug-Out Bag site, uh, which, among others, I've been using for research in my work. I've attached their links in case you want more details. And once again, I want to underline this. I do a lot of research, and I am seeing more and more of these top-rated items sold out. Now, to me, that's an indication of the very least of some really good marketing and more likely a tangible growing interest in this area. Now, I did have some luck finding out-of-stock items that were gone on Amazon at the manufacturer's website. As I track these leads down, I will be posting them here on the website for you, my listeners. So let's look at these differences. This is not a go bag. This is designed to get you home or your plan B rendezvous point, just in case. Well, why have one? 
9-11 is the most common example. A major disaster took place, streets were clogged, people weren't able to get from here to their trains, and buses obviously were not running, you couldn't get your cars out. Gonna have to deal with it some way. A bug-out bag or a go-bag is designed to help you deal with bad weather and road closures. Bridge fell, maybe there was flooding, maybe there's a fire, maybe it's a major traffic jam, or civil unrest. Now, civil unrest is a wee bit different than uh, basic in that uh, it's a good idea to get some really good information and stay put so you don't run in to trouble instead of running away from it. This is a very serious area. You need to evaluate potential problems and scenarios both now and when it's actually happening in real time. You have to do a lot of what-ifs. Look at alternate routes. I know how to get to my house, okay, except can I do it on foot or on a bicycle? Because it's very unlikely we're going to be on the freeway. Take into consideration local things. I had my aunt write to me and say, you know, we get tornadoes back here. You haven't mentioned that. Nope, but I am mentioning locally. So if you're back in the Midwest in Tornado Alley, you've got some different challenges than we do here in Southern Oregon, but both of us are heading into snow season. That's right, it's the season aspect, which means any bag, a bug out bag or especially a get home bag, should be set up and reviewed as the seasons change. Now I'm going to want to keep warm, I'm going to want to be cool in the summer. Looking at snow chains, do you know how to use them? Did you spend that extra 20 minutes at Les Schwab to learn how to put them on? It's really interesting the first time you do it. I think on any road trip where your home is now the motel you were staying or the next city, it's advisable to have your get-home bag. Also, I can't believe how many people can't read a map. Oh my gosh, come on kids. A map in your car of where you are would be very, very helpful. Okay, let's, we talked about work. How far is it from where you work to where you live? I know for an exact fact, I'm 12.1 miles from my home when I'm here in my office. With my go bag, I'm hoping, combining that with the supplies in my car, I'll be able to stay warm, hydrated, and dry, as well as summon help. Naturally, this is going to be different if you're traveling locally versus a sales trip up to Eugene. I've gotten to the extent that I keep mine right next to my briefcase in my car. They both go into the office with me. Keep it like my car keys, my driver's license, and my registration. Now, on a side note, my workplace does have options for storing supplies there, and there is a likelihood of having heat and water. So, with permission, I'm creating a cache where I work a little pile of supplies, and this is up to and including a change of clothes. Uh, Socks are really critical, especially in the cold month. Uh, Last winter, I ended up uh, getting into a slush pile. My feet were freezing, and it made life a whole lot more bearable for the rest of the day, getting into a pair of dry socks and taking my extra shoes out of the trunk. Now, this get-home bag has to be mobile, because you're going to be moving at a faster pace. By that, I mean a go bag is going to be a 50, perhaps 60-pound pack for a fully grown adult. This is going to be lighter. You're just trying to get home. So let's look at the setup. Several of the sites, and even the good backpacking sites for that matter, recommend a good three-tier system for packing. 
When packing, remember, trouble does not allow you to pick the time it's going to strike. That's why Tier 1 is the simplest. The items you're going to need there most often, the things you're going to want first, are on Tier 1. Examples of some of those things are going to be water, both short-term in a stainless steel bottle, and later in Tier 2, you're going to want to have your filtration and purification devices, if in fact uh, you're going to be out that long. You don't want a folding knife if for no other reason than to open some of those food packages. Good heavens, uh, you could die of starvation trying to get in there. You're going to want a face mask, gloves, and I've attached links to several suggested lists of contents so you can adapt them to your own particular needs and situation. List two, that's four to eight hours, and you should include the possibility of darkness. The time change to fall back was just this weekend, so it's going to be getting dark much earlier. Now, what is your criteria for how late you keep moving? And your location is going to be a part of that. Walking in urban areas may be way different than moving through a semi-rural or rural location. I think no matter where you are, awareness is the same. You just have different types of predators. And I can tell you, frankly, as a parent, if I get an SHF call from the family, I'm on my way. Darkness be damned. So what type of light system do you have for when you're wandering around in the dark? Tier 3, that's overnight up to 24 hours to get home. This could be an extreme distance or in a really extreme situation. The supplies are going to depend on how far away you are that's realistic for you. At Tier 3, you're looking at temporary shelter items like a bivy bag, a space blanket, an emergency tent. And you're also going to have to uh, look at food, and I would have a good medical kit in that area. Now, as far as what kind of actual bag, it should be easy to carry and easy to get things out of. They seem to go between 40 to $200, and they come as a backpack, a satchel pack that fits over your shoulder. I kind of like those. And they even have some built-up fanny packs that include shoulder straps. I was hesitant at first to add the links, as a lot of these things are already sold out, but then I thought it would be good to have recommendations and allow you to look into those further or find things locally that are comparable. I've had really good luck here in the Medford area at Coastal, some people call it Coastal Farm and Ranch, and Sportsman's Warehouse. Both of those are in the Medford area. Last week, we talked about the must-haves, no matter where you are headed. And as I look over the basics, I'm going to add a few suggestions. You're going to want, as I mentioned, the water purifier and the silux valve and the stainless steel water bottle. That means you can heat it if you actually have to sterilize water. A little more on the medical kit, people have suggested splitting this up. The basic first aid, scrapes, minor cuts, that's going to be at level one the more serious items are going to be down there on level three and I'm talking about clotting compound uh, or a clotting bandage, a trauma dressing, an Israeli bandage, a tourniquet as well as the usual skills you're going to need to use this. This is a personal decision you're going to make I think in an emergency getting quick access to the big guns is going to be important uh, and I'm talking about a trauma dressing in the event of a serious injury. Food is going to be less of an issue when you're at level one. Do go beyond the protein bars, however. 
One thing I like is the coffee packets that you can get at some of the different outlets. Those are the micro-ground coffee, and it turns it, boom, hot water, you've got a nice cup of coffee. For you tea drinkers, a couple of tea bags don't weigh anything. As well as glow sticks and a flashlight, I'm hearing a lot of folks really have good luck with the things you wear on your head. An interesting thought. The light is on your head. That gives both hands full freedom. Fire and heat, well, a tube with dryer lint and some of these fire cubes stuffed in the center are going to solve a whole lot of problems if you're actually faced with building a fire. You're going to want a roll of toilet paper and some hand wipes for obvious reasons. A tent and bivy bag. I noticed that. I was interested to see most of these are rated only to 23 degrees. Now, we all know here in this area it can get much colder than that, so you should plan accordingly. I mentioned in Tier 1 you should have a good folder if you don't already have an everyday carry pocket knife or an EDC. Then, in Level 3, a fixed blade knife in case you need to do some more serious cutting than trying to get open food packets that have been sealed for space flight. Some of the things I want to include in my pack, a dust mask, N95 rated, a hat or uh, something to shield my head, eye protection, duct tape, paracord, and since there's going to be no ATM, we've talked about this before, you're going to want to have some cash. I'd recommend different packets in different areas of the pack, and also small bills. You don't need a flash roll at this time. If you got room and you can stand the weight, some spare batteries, and I've got a couple of lighters tossed in mind, taking a toilet paper tube roll full of dryer lint is going to become a lot easier if you can just simply light it. Now making the decision to head out is going to require the preparations you're hopefully making now and being flexible enough to adapt to changing conditions. By definition, disaster is a noun, a serious, unexpected, and often dangerous situation requiring immediate action. Now, by its very nature, things are going to be changing, emergency services are going to be impacted, and there'll be all kinds of stories and information circulating. To that, I want to go beyond reading you a list of supplies, and let's talk about mindset and preparation. Dealing with that, I think, is more important than having a very good bag. One key area is protection, and that's the elephant in the living room. Let's prepare to be self-sufficient without being paranoid. Let's be alert. On the list I've shared with you, you're going to see recommendations for personal protection of various levels and various degrees. Now, in any type of disaster, unrest, or emergency, it's been my personal experience that there are always those good people who are willing to lend you a helping hand. It's also been my experience there are those individuals who are more than happy to exploit the situation and try and victimize others with simple robbery being the best thing that's going to happen to you. How are you preparing for that? If you remember last week, I mentioned being a ghost, not attracting attention to yourself. You're nobody special. You're just another schlub trying to get home. That means you don't want to look like you just stepped out of the L.L. Bean catalog. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Families need to rehearse and plan this stuff in advance, especially if you've got young ones. What happens if one of the kids says, yeah, well, my daddy has a whole bag full of cash, or yeah, but my mommy has a gun? Seriously, 
This is not what you want kids to blurt out in a tense situation. Part of doing this effectively is having an in-advance conversation with every member of the family, regardless of age. Now, we're not trying to scare kids. We're not trying to make them fearful. We're not trying to make them anxious. We want a discussion of what you are going to do, what to expect from both of our parents. And both parents or both partners are going to need to take an active part and share in the roles, and here's a key sentence, to the extent you are able. By that I mean if you feel you could never raise your hand to another person, don't. Pepper spray, a baton, or a gun, if that is all too extreme, then don't pick one up. You're only going to get hurt, or worse, have it taken away from you and then used against you. There is a question I was asked. There is a question I will ask you. What if it is your child in danger? What if it's your spouse? I will tell you personally, one of the most impactful experiences I had was during a training session. I came around the corner, and there was the target with the bad guy using a woman like a shield with a gun to their head. If that's your spouse... What about now? Personally, I took the shot. Preparation and confidence need to be something you carry with your bag along with its content. You have to be able, you have to be prepared both physically and emotionally to use these things. And that goes for the medical kit or whatever self-defense tool you choose. Now, I have a CHL and I train regularly to be safe and proficient right here at Refuse to be a Victim. I've made the decision to protect myself and those who can't protect themselves in life-threatening situations using appropriate force up to and including a firearm. Now, when it comes time to make this decision, this is a very personal, very private choice. You should get reliable information because this is life-altering. There are personal legal and psychological implications. Now, I'm not saying this to put you off. On on the contrary, I'm saying this because too often people simply pass this over thinking they'll make that decision when the time comes. This is way too important to wing it. It's a very bad idea. These are not situations you want to face cold. Using everything in a bug-out bag, or a get-home bag, or a car bag. It all takes commitment, preparation, and training. Get a good water filter and purification system, then make sure you know how to use it. Have a good first aid kit. Know what's in it. Be able and be willing to use it. Select the foods and support items you're going to need, and know what to expect when you dig in the bag. And if you're ever cornered and you need to make that big decision, be prepared, be trained, and be able to do it effectively to prevent being a victim. We need to be honest with ourselves both physically and emotionally as to our abilities and our limits. We've talked about all of this and I'm kind of wrapping this up. You need to do things as a family and look carefully at your options. Sit down, discuss roles and responsibilities, because if a serious injury occurs, somebody at that table is going to have to be the one to use a tourniquet. Who's it going to be? As I said in the first episode, this is not about throwing money at a problem and leaving it in the closet until you need it. These are all discussions we're not really looking forward to having because we hope we're never going to have to use this stuff. 
but I think we all know someday we might. So, I've talked about different bags, talked about lists of possible supplies, and we've talked about the planning and psychological mindset that goes into using these supplies effectively. On our next program on November 4th, I'm going to begin going in-depth on the more critical issues and the products that surround them. I'm going to start out with two components. I'm going to suggest some bags and some water filtration and purification systems. I'll be talking about different products, the product ratings, the cost, and have some recommendations or I guess suggestions is probably uh, the better term. Then I'm going to put on my chef's hat and two nights a week I'll be dining off my survival food and I'll share those results with you as Part of the episode, and as always, I do want to hear from you about your progress on your own plans, supplies you're gathering, and any questions you may have. And I gave the email address at the beginning of the program, and it's there in the little box in the web link you click to get to the program. With that said, I'm Bill Bateman, and this program is Copyright Refuse to Be a Victim Personal Protection Training 2018. It may not be rebroadcast, edited, or sold without the express written permission of this company. It may be downloaded or shared by guests to this website for non-commercial entertainment purposes only. Okay, that's it for this week. Let me know how you're doing with your plan. Be safe, and I'll see you at the range.